Welcome to College Football Live. I'm Peter Burns, joined alongside Sam Acho, Jordan Reed. We're going to talk about the biggest news in college football, and as you can tell, none of us won the Powerball as we're all over here at work. But we will get to that a little bit later. But before, we start with some very interesting comments from SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey about the college football playoff. As you all know, this will be the last year that college football playoff has just four teams. We're going to expand to 12 in 2024. Remember, the agreed-upon expansion proposal calls for six auto bids to the highest-ranked finishers plus six at-large bids. Will this change with all this realignment? Greg Sankey was on Paul Feinbaum and had this to say. The expansion was about making sure we brought in Western football. Well, now what's happened is Western football has come into other conferences. Uh, the net of that is circumstances have changed, and I think it's it's wise for us to take a step back and reconsider uh, what the format might look like given these changed circumstances. Uh, we've not met on that. I've not had any meaningful conversations, but but I think we, we have to acknowledge that it is on everyone's mind pending the outcome of some of these additional uh, membership movement pieces. Right now, we still have 10 FBS conferences, but there's obviously a great question about whether that will remain. And and yeah, that, that could create a, a thought in my mind, and I think in others, about uh, some level of adjustment being made. Guys, I thought it was interesting. There was a WWF wrestling belt in the background of Greg Sankey's office because that's what, what it might be when they're talking about the college football playoff proposal. Sam, what should it look like now that all these teams have kind of realigned? Well, it's interesting because a few years ago, Greg Sankey and the SEC was kind of the first team to start making these moves, adding Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC before the talk of expanding the playoff. And so I think it should look like not necessarily the the – uh, conference champions because these conferences will change but there's got to be a way to get the best teams available and of course the thought process at least in Greg Sankey's mind is well it's going to be these teams in the SEC but now with the expansion we've seen in the Big Ten and also the Big 12 expanding as well there's a lot more competition in those conferences as well and so obviously Pac-12 is dwindling as we can see it we're going to see what's going to happen with the ACC and their grants of rights but I think that we got to find a way to get the best teams in the playoff regardless of what conference you're in. Yeah, and I, I think what he's trying to do is just to create some parity amongst the conferences because we've seen the dominance of Georgia and Alabama previous before. And with adding Oklahoma and Texas, he's probably sniffing around and saying, we've been so dominant, I don't think necessarily we need to add any other teams right now. But I think they're probably going to look to add some t more teams in the future. But with the dominance of all these uh, counterparts that they have had or entering in the conference right now, I think it's going to be really interesting with Texas and Oklahoma now coming over to the SEC. But I don't necessarily think he's going to be in a rush to add any more teams currently. Yeah, and, and as far as the playoff expansion, too, I think he's been a, a kind of proponent of college football kind of growing just past the, the major conferences. So maybe at 6-6 six and six right now, they might dive down to go saying only five of the uh, highest-ranked conference and then add an additional at-large bid for the committee so it's still 5-7. and seven. Everybody stays happy. But with that being said, Jordan, how many teams you think in the college football playoff are actually in the hunt? Right. It, it feels top heavy in years past. Give me a number of teams that think, hey, they can actually be in that final four. Well, I think the top two teams you're going to hear about going into the year, obviously going to be Georgia and Michigan. 
just because of what both of those teams have coming back on both sides of the football. And, yes, I know Georgia has quarterback questions with Carson Beck. He has a lot to prove this year, taking over and filling the shoes for Stetson Bennett, which are very massive shoes considering that he's a two-time national champion. Then with Michigan, I think they have the best quarterback running back combination coming back in the country this year with J.J. McCarthy, who is expected to take a big leap this year. Then also in the, 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 the backfield tandem, excuse me, of Blake Corm and then also Donovan Edwards. So they have a lot coming back on offense and then on defense as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what both of those teams do this year. But it's very wide open outside of those two teams at the top. And Jordan, to your point, those are the two top teams, especially going in. But there could be six, seven, maybe even eight teams that, that have a chance. Think about teams like Utah that did win the Pac-12 last year. But obviously, USC, they're coming back with arguably the best player in college football, arguably future number one overall pick, who's got something to prove. Think about other sleeper teams, teams like Washington, Texas. There are so many other teams that, are, that have an opportunity to show what they can do. Florida State's knocking on the door. Clemson's always in that conversation. So I think there's, there's at least eight, six to eight teams that could make a push, not just to make the playoff, but to win a national championship. And I do love that, right, because 29 of the 36 teams that have made the college football playoff has started the season in the top 10. Makes me cannot wait, you know, makes me wonder what it's going to look like when we expand to 12 and more teams are uh, available. All right, so when it comes to sleeper teams, though, Sam, like give me a squad that you think, hey, nobody had them on the radar. I think they're a college football playoff squad. Well, one sleeper team to make to make the college football playoff for me are the Washington Huskies, and there are a few reasons why. I'm going to start with their quarterback, Michael Penix Jr. He's an All-American, best uh, Heisman candidate talent. But then defensively, they've got offense and the defense combination. Braylon Trice, defensive end, edge rusher, came on the scene last year. This team had 37 sacks, and they have to improve. They were 119th in third down defense, 129th out of 130 against the pass, but they can improve defensively. Combine that with Michael Penix on offense and they got some solid receivers, they'll be solid. Then lastly, you go to Kalen DeBoer, second-year head coach. If he can make the jump, he'll be along the list of many second-year head coaches to win national championships. Think about Bob Stoops. Think about Jim Tressel, Urban Meyer, G Gene Chizik. All these coaches found a way to win a national championship in their second year. And so you think about the offense getting another year in, in, this, in this scheme, in the system, recruiting, you're getting more of what you believe. And lastly, this team went 11-2 last year. They lost back-to-back -back weeks in the middle of the season, but they went 11-2, won the Alamo Bowl against Texas. So I think they have a lot to prove. Well, I guess I'm going to take the easy way out here, guys. I don't know if this team is necessarily a sleeper, but I'm drinking the Florida State Kool-Aid. I love what Mike Novell has done down there. Jordan Travis is a legit Heisman Trophy candidate. He showed a lot of development last year when they had a double-digit win season. I'm excited about Florida State. They have fantastic personnel on offense. Johnny Wilson, who's a big-body receiver, that's one of his best targets for Travis. Trey Benson, who's expected to make a big leap year now in his second, se second season in the system. And then they have some pieces on defense. Jared Burst, I think, is the most talented defensive end in the country. But the big thing that Florida State has to hurdle this year is two of the first four games they go up against LSU and then also Clemson. Florida State has not beat Clemson in Clemson since 2013. So if they can get out of those two games 2-0, I think they have an opportunity to run the table all the way through to the college football playoff.
I'm so disappointed in both of you guys. The idea is what team is being slept on. Like, Washington is like a top 15 team in the coaches' poll. They'll be that there in the AP. All right, you got Florida State, which may be top five by the end of it, Jordan. Like, those are not teams being slept on. Hold on. Meet me. Meet me. Give me the roadrunners. Let's go way deep as far as teams that are going to be slept on. Frank Harris is coming back for his, like, he got eligible in, like, 1983. All right, this is, like, 17th year of eligibility. Jeff Trailer has been fantastic. He's won 30 games over there in the Alamo Bowl. And here's the deal. If you're going to be like Cincinnati did and made that run a couple years ago, you have to have the right schedule, right? They're going to be playing a good Houston team. They're going to be playing Willie Fritz's Tulane squad. That's good. And they got to go on the road against Tennessee. By the way, that could be on upset alert there in Rocky Top. So that's, that's a team that's being slept on. Not Florida State and Washington, boys. Come on. Well, we're talking, we're talking two things. Number one, I'll address, I'll address Florida State and Washington first. So people aren't picking Florida State to make the college football playoff. I mean, they're picking them to have a better season, but they are sleep. I would say they're sleeping, right? Snore, snore on Florida State. But fast forward, Washington as well. No one say, People are saying USC. They're saying Utah. So that's my two cents on that. But I will say this. I respect your UTSA decision. I mean, number one, you talk about Frank Harris, a quarterback, one of the most dynamic, not only rushing quarterbacks, but also passers in college football, defensively number zero, Rashad Wisdom. So they talk about that 2-1-0 triangle of toughness, number two, number one, number zero, right? Both those players we named wore number zero. Those are for the best player on the team, 2-1-0 obviously being a San Antonio area code. So I love, I'm picking up what you're putting down, Peter Burns, but also, man, Florida State is a sleeper team, as Thank is Washington. You. Thank you. How about Tulane? <laughs> Tulane Green Wave. I, I'm a big fan of them yes. as well. We yes. saw what they were able to do in the Cotton Bowl against USC, one of the biggest wins in program history for them. They're feeding off of the energy and the momentum from that. So Tulane, let's throw their name in the hat. Hopefully that's good enough for Peter. Is that a good enough sleeper for you, Peter? Yeah, how are you I'll feeling allow now? It. Are, you, are, you ha- are you happy now, Peter? <laughs> okay, thumbs up. That's that's what it is. You know, you guys picking up the vibe. And remember, Tulane's got a big game against Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss Rebels, too. You got to have one of those big, quote-unquote, Power 5 or A5 victories to get on that uh, playoff roster or, or radar. We'll see what happens. And over to the Big Ten, big news today out of Columbus, where longtime Buckeye Athletic Director Gene Smith announced that he's retiring in July of 2024. Smith has been the Athletic Director for the Buckeyes for 18 years. The university, of course, is currently searching for a new president as well. Staying in the Big Ten, Northwestern players took to the field to practice. um, And, of course, they're still reeling for the firing of head coach Pat Fitzgerald after 17 years as the head coach of the Wildcats. It's the first time players addressed the media since the investigation into the program's hazing allegations surfaced earlier last month. Adam Rittenberg uh, has been on campus all day in Evanston. And, and Adam, when you get a chance to hear from the players and get a vibe of what's going on there around that Wildcat facility, what would you take away? Well, PB, their focus is forward towards practice and towards the 2023 season beginning on September 3rd against Rutgers. They went through some mandatory uh, in-person anti-hazing training last week before beginning practice, but players saying they're, they're thrilled to be back on the practice field. Linebacker Bryce Gallagher called it a breath of fresh air, and they're trying to band together as much as possible through what's been a, a very, very difficult period. It hasn't even been a month, Peter, since Pat Fitzgerald was fired as head coach at Northwestern and defensive back Rod Hurd II talked about the, the emotions that have gone on in that month leading up to practice. It's been a difficult time, uh, but, uh, you know, we've, 
being able to refocus and you know look at what's really important, and that's uh, getting back to winning games. So the team, the staff, the coaches, everybody in this building, we've been all head pressed on just getting back to winning games and doing everything we can to you know do that, accomplish that. Um, we're, we're not here today to talk about any hazing allegations. We're here to talk about the upcoming season. Um, we've had a great training camp so far. Guys are really stuck together through this difficult time, and we've been focused on that and, and sticking together, so it's been a really good training camp so far. And, and the players, Peter, were, were still uh, talking about Pat Fitzgerald quite a bit today. They, they've remained in touch with him. Coach David Braun, the interim coach, uh, said he cares very much about Fitzgerald's well-being. And Fitzgerald's son, Jack, is, is still on the team. He's a freshman tight end, but no, no longer practicing. He's working as a student assistant with the team. So players saying they're very much supporting Jack and, and still having some contact with the former head coach of the all-time winningest coach here at Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald. Now, Adam, obviously we saw the players in pads, but we saw coaches in T-shirts, and it's a little bit of a different T-shirt than just Northwestern football. What's the story there? Right, yeah, offensive coordinator Mike Bajakian and other staff members today on the practice field had a T-shirt that, that read Cats Against the World and had the number 51 on it, number 51 worn by Pat Fitzgerald as a two-time National Defensive Player of the Year here at Northwestern. So clearly his former staff members supporting him at a practice that was attended by the media. Interim coach David Braun saying that he's not here to censor anyone and uh, Bryce Kurtz, one of the players, saying that that Braun has told them, you know, th this is all about sticking together, and that T-shirt, at least in Kurtz's mind, is a symbol of doing that. Once again, another a dull day in the world of college football. Adam, we appreciate the time. Now, Athletic Director Derek Gregg had just released this statement expressing disappointment in the shirts. I am extremely disappointed that a few members of our football program staff decided to wear Cats Against the World t-shirts. Neither I nor the university was aware that they owned or we wear those shirts today. The shirts are inappropriate, offensive, and tone deaf. Let me be crystal clear. Hazing has no place at all at Northwestern, and we are committed to do whatever is necessary to address hazing-related issues including thoroughly investigating any incidents or allegations of hazing or any other misconduct. A lot more coming up on College Football Live, including a little fact or fiction this year, including two college football coaches that have a lot to prove in the first year at their new stop. We got something special to prove and do this year. You were born for this. You move from point A to point B and you strike. We're going to kick that door in. Let's take it to them and give them hell. Once again, this is all we got. Let's do it. Of course, I am ready. Little fact or fiction fact, I am pumped up. That uh, that promo got me ready to go. Here with Jordan Reed, Sam Macho, I'm Peter Burns. All right, fact or fiction, let's start with you, Jordan. Texas A&M was atrocious on, on offense last year. They went 5-7, and seven, top 101-ranked scoring offense. Are they top 25 in scoring offense this year, fact or fiction? I'm going to go fiction just because I believe in the saying that there's just too many cooks in the kitchen. And with Bobby Petrino now at the helm of the offense and then Jimbo Fisher, a coach who has never relinquished play-calling duties, 
I just don't see the pathway for them to be in a top 25 offense in the country. I just think there's going to be too many egos at the top here with them being two former head coaches. Mm. Sam? And Jordan, to your point, with, with Jimbo Fisher not wanting to give up play calling, now Petrino, if things go sideways, oftentimes in these situations, coaches say, you know what, I want to take those reins back. I want to get back in the kitchen and kick you out. And so that's why I think there could be some, uh, not necessarily frustration, but I don't see a top 25 offense based off this new offensive coordinator, especially with Jimbo not likely wanting to fully relinquish the play calling. Yeah, that was a mess over Nashville when he didn't address it. They scored 22 points a game last year. They'd have to get all the way to 35 points a game to be top 25. I'm actually going to say fact. I think Wegman um, looking with uh, Anaya Smith. You got Evan Stewart, Moussa Muhammad. They got a great offensive line. I think they can be about 12 points better. Doesn't mean they're going to win a whole lot more games. I think offensively they'll get better. All right, Jordan, fact or fiction, Matt Rule, first year over at Nebraska. They haven't been to a bowl game since you were in diapers, I believe. Like 2016, <laughs> youngin. All right. Fact or fiction, they go bowling in year one. Guys, I'm going to go fact here just because Matt Rule has shown on the collegiate level that he knows how to build a program. And I'm a big believer in Jeff Sims, the quarterback transfer that they got from Georgia Tech. I think he's going to unleash him in this offense. They also got Eric Gilbert, who has a lot of talent, but he just hasn't shown the production on the field. They have some pieces that they have to figure out defensively, but I think this offense has a chance to be really good with Sims at the helm. Two key games on this schedule, Purdue and then also Northwestern. Assuming they take care of the non-conference schedule, if they can win those two games, they can get bowl eligible. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go fiction, and partly because there's a saying about people assuming. I'm not going to assume anything in this scenario. This is a Nebraska team that lost to Georgia Southern last year. And so, yes, I understand that Matt Rule is a turnaround type of coach. He did it at Baylor. That's kind of his, his mentality. But I think it's going to be too quick, too soon to get this team turned around and be bowl eligible in year one. Yeah, remember he took Temple and Baylor into a bowl game in year two of his tenure back at both of those schools. But new indoor facility coming. They are fired up over there in Lincoln. All right, fact or fictions? Sam, let's start with you right now. The Big 12 is the most competitive conference top to bottom in college football. I'm going to go fiction. Now, I would have gone fact, right? You would ask me right after Big 12 media day. When I was at Big 12 media day, looking at all these coaches and players, I was thinking fact. And then something changed. I looked at some stats and I recalled, and there's some great teams in the Big 12, but let's go to the Pac-12. Pac-12 is going to be my team, right? And the reason why is that there were only six offenses to average over 500 yards of offense last year. Four of them are in the Pac-12. Washington, UCLA, USC. So we think about these teams that are high movers in the Pac-12. You, I mean, like, like, Oregon State's another team you want to talk about. Oregon, there's so much competition in the Pac-12. I would say that they're a more competitive conference. Utah, et cetera. So, like, the list goes on and on. That's why I'm going to go Pac-12 over Big 12. We agree on this one, Sacho. And I think the Pac-12 is absolutely loaded at quarterback. And you think about some of the quarterbacks that have now come over to the Pac-12. You now have Bo Nix, who, who came over from Auburn and had a terrific year at Oregon. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., we talked about him earlier at Washington. But Caleb Williams, it all starts with him at USC who is in, in the clubhouse to be the number one overall pick last year, reigning Heisman Trophy winner. So the Pac-12 is absolutely loaded. The Washington is going to be really good this year offensively. Uh, Braylon Trice is another name defensively that they like a lot. So the Pac-12, I love everything that they have been doing. And then also at the quarterback spot, this group is absolutely loaded. And then we didn't even mention DJ Uy Ungalele, who came over from Clemson to Oregon State. He's another to enter the fold in the Pac-12 too.
And poor Utah, man. All they've done is won back-to-back Pac-12 championships, and they're like, does anybody care about us, man? You, they don't get the love that they have. They're I can't wait for that game against Florida right off the bat. I still think it's the Big 12 because, remember, three different conference champions. I don't know who the hell wins it uh, this year. we got a lot more coming up on uh, College Football Live, including, all right, if you did win the Powerball, what's the ultimate college football road trip on the schedule? we break that down next. Here's the next UFC fight night from the Apex in Las Vegas. Much anticipated welterweight main event prelims begin Saturday at 4 Eastern, followed by the main card at 7 Eastern on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus. All right, Powerball went down yesterday, $1.6 billion. None of us won it, unfortunately, unless you're a very good liar. Um, all right, so Jordan, if you had unlimited money, I give you the keys to the College Football Live private jet, and you pick one weekend, what weekend are you picking to go? Well, I'm not going to hold back, guys. I'm going to burn up the jet fuel and fire up the frequent flyer miles. I'm going to go with week 10. I have LSU, Alabama. I have Washington, USC. And then, oh, yeah, I have Notre Dame and Clemson as well. We're talking about all-time heavy hitter matchups in this one. Great quarterback matchups throughout. And I really like all these matchups in week 10. Mm. Sam? So quickly, I got two points. Peter Burns, number one, I think if you do win the Powerball, don't tell anyone. That's the best thing. Go back to your normal job, right? Like we, maybe one of us won, number one. Number two, my man, Jordan, if we got if we got the private jet, we don't need the frequent flyer miles, so like we're good on that. But I'm going to go week eight. I'm going to go week eight, and the reason why, it's grudge weekend. Alabama, Tennessee, they're playing each other. Utah, USC, everyone wants to rematch. USC thought they should have won that game. And even Kansas State, TCU. Kansas State won the Big 12. TCU lost. Not to mention, that's Penn State, Ohio State week as well. So I'm going week eight, and I would get on the private jet. I would not use nor need frequent flyer miles. Um, all right, I, I, that's a good week. I'm going to go week seven, the week before that, and I'm actually going to stay in the Pac-12 because we're kicking off on Friday. We got Stanford taking on CU, right? So that's a future uh, maybe ACC Big 12 matchup. Then we're going to go Oregon versus Washington in a future Big 10 matchup. I'm looking forward to that. Then we got USC and Notre Dame coming up, and I'm hanging out with all the Arizona State players because they're on a bye week. So we're all going Pac-12. I'm taking both of you guys. We're taking Lee Corso, and yes, we're going to have some fun. Going you to Mill Avenue. Yeah. Peace stands for Pac-12. Going to Mill Peter's Avenue. Name. Hey, I, I'm oh, just Pac-12. trying to enjoy the Pac-12 the last year that we have it. Sam Acho, Jordan Reed, Peter, I'm Peter Burns. Thanks for watching us here on College Football Live. <laughs>